Hi, and welcome. We're so excited that you chose to join us today. And we hope that this message will inspire you to live the life that God designed you to live. For this message or others like it, you can go to our website or you can find us on our YouTube channel. Now sit back, relax, enjoy this message. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Steve Cornamone from Destiny Church. We're so glad that you've joined us online today, Facebook Live and through our other media channel, uh, uh, YouTube. And so we're excited about what Jesus is doing in the earth. We have great expectation that God is going to do something so powerful through this whole situation. And we're glad that you've joined us. This is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday that Jesus came into Jerusalem. The tri they call it the triumphal entry. Everybody was rejoicing, shouting, and we're, this is the beginning of what they call Holy Week. And so we're having communion today, so if you remember that, please get your emblems ready because in just a little while here, we'll be partaking of communion together. I want to pray for you and for the service, uh, and also I'd like us to pray for our president and the leaders of our nation. Uh, they need wisdom. They need our prayers more than ever before. And so I want us just to, you, wherever you're at, just agree with me in prayer as we pray. Lord, we just thank you right now that we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that we can obtain mercy, find grace to help in time of need. And Lord, we just lift our nation up before you. We lift our president up those that are working on this, uh, on this pandemic. Lord, we just pray for them right now. God, give them wisdom so they know what to do. And Lord, we just call this pandemic, this disease, we call it dead in Jesus' name. We declare it will have no power, no authority over this nation to kill, steal, and destroy. But Lord, that you will hurl back the forces of darkness and cause there to be victory in this area, Lord. We just thank you so much for that. We pray, God, that you give, pres you protect President Trump, Vice President Pence, and all those that are in the, his staff. And uh, we just pray you'd protect the Congress, Lord, and just give every one of them wisdom. We pray for unity in our nation as we go forth. And we just thank you for turning this situation around for good, because we claim the promise of your word that all things work together for our good. We love you and we're called according to your purpose and we just thank you for that right now in Jesus name amen praise God so we want to just encourage you we have a little bit of a skeleton crew here for worship but just enter in and then in just a few minutes we'll be taking communion God bless you Duh. 
There's power in the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, every war he wages, he will win. And I'm not backing down from any giant. Oh, I know how this story ends. Yes, I know how this story ends. Oh, I'm going to see a victory. Oh, I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory. And I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to, oh, I'm going to see a victory. Oh, I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm going to see a victory. And I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Working it for our good. You're working it for our good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good. You turn it for good. Cause I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. And I'm gonna see a victory. I'm going to see a victory, for the battle belongs to you, Lord. Sing, you take, take, you take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good, you turn it for good. You take what the enemy meant for evil. You turn it for good, you turn it for good, cause I'm going to see your victory, I'm going to see your victory, for 
just lift your hands. If you're in your room, if you're in your dining room, your kitchen, wherever it is, just give a hand up to Jesus. Let's sing that out with me. Sing, I'm going to see a victory. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. We give you honor. You're above all other names. Come on. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. Or the battle belongs to you. I'm going to see your victory. I'm going to see your victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. There's no name like yours. There's no higher name. No higher name than Jesus. got the victory. We praise you for it. We worship your name. Every knee, every name shall bow. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your name. receive your mercy your faithfulness is clear to see it's constant every day sing it again in the morning in the morning you sing over me oh I receive your mercy Faithfulness is clear to see. It's constant every day. Sing every breath. Every breath I breathe an invitation to believe you are creating something good. Though the season doesn't tell my story, I know you'll move mountains for me. Cause you're just that good, so I'll give 
thanks to God when I don't have enough, cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need, so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough, cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need, oh, he knows what I need, in the silence I choose to believe, you're working in the waiting. Though the future isn't clear to me, I trust you anyway. Every breath. And every breath I breathe an invitation to believe you are creating something good. Though this season doesn't tell my story, I know you'll move mountains for me. Cause you're just that good. So I'll give thanks to when I don't have enough. Cause he's more than enough. And he knows what I need. So I'll give thanks to God. When I don't have enough, cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need, so I'll give thanks to God. When I don't have enough, cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need. Oh, he knows, he knows, he knows what I need. Why do I worry? Why do I worry? Why do I worry? God knows what I need. Why do I worry? Why do I worry? Why do I worry? God knows what I need, so why do I worry, why do I worry, and why do I worry, God knows what I need, so why do I worry, and why do I worry, and why do I worry, God knows what I need, so I Thanks to God when I don't have enough, cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need, so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough, cause he's more than enough, and he knows what I need, so I'll give thanks to God. When I don't have enough, cause he's more than enough, and he knows what
has he more than enough and he knows what I need oh he knows what I need oh you know you know you know just what I need you are faithful you are faithful you are faithful you are faithful don't have enough cause he's more than enough and he knows what I need so I'll give thanks to God when I don't have enough cause he's more than enough and he knows what I need You will never end. Your love sustaining me. Before I even knew what love was. You've brought me to rest and giving me space to breathe so I'll stay still until it sinks in sing I will lean back and I will lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. Oh, and I will breathe deep and know that he is good. He's a love like no other. Let's sing that one more time. I will lean back. And I will lean back. Him loving arms of a beautiful father. Praise God. We've come to the time in our service today that we're going to be partaking of communion together. So if you want to get your emblems together, you know, it's, it's important that we understand what's behind communion. You know, the Bible tells us that when Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this 
this is my body which is broken for you. We have redemption because of the broken body of Christ. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. You know, the word covenant is a word that we don't use a lot. You sometimes see it in legal documents. It'll say the party of the first part, covenants with the party of the second part. And even some marriage documents, the license will actually say the covenant of marriage because marriage is a covenant relationship. But the old timers, they understood that a covenant was the most sacred, sacred relationship that two people could enter into. It was forever binding. And what it did was an, it was an exchange where uh, what we were saying is your enemies are now my enemies. My possessions are now your possessions. And I'm on your side and you're on my side. We're we're in this agreement together and we, we will fight for one another. We'll defend one another. That's what a covenant was in olden days. It was very sacred. And, um, and so when Jesus said, this is the new covenant, he, he was saying that God is establishing a new covenant with the people of the earth. And I am going to be the one, my body's going to be broken. I'm going to bear the marks of that covenant. I'm going to be the human's representative before God for the whole human race. And when we believe on Christ, we enter into that covenant. And so Jesus told us that we should partake of communion. We should do it in remembrance of him. We should call, call what he did for us in redemption. Call this covenant relationship into remembrance. Remember that we have entered into the most intimate relationship that there can be on, on planet Earth. And this intimate relationship is between you and God through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. So I want you to take your bread or uh, whatever you have there for bread and, and that's been broken. And, and I just want you to realize that this bread represents the broken body of Jesus. You know, I thought about how much Jesus wants to have a relationship with us. Far more than he, you want to have a relationship with him. Sometimes you go, I want to know God. Not as much as God wants to know you. He wants to be intimate. He wants to be up close and personal with you. And, and he, he went to extreme measures to enter into that intimate relationship with you. And that's one thing this body represents. It represents his broken body. If, his, if he wouldn't have broke, his body wouldn't have been broken for us, we could never approach God. We'd have no approach whatsoever. And so thank God. Let's just pray together. Lord, thank you for your broken body. And we partake by faith. We call you into remembrance what you did for us, the redemption that you paid for us. And we just acknowledge this intimate relationship that we have with you. Let's eat together. The Bible also says, I got an unusual cup here today because I couldn't find the communion cups. So I prepared this myself. When you, uh, you depend on people a lot and you don't realize until they're not here how much you depend upon them. And so I hope you're not offended by this cup. But what's important is what's in it. But Jesus said that this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This is the new covenant 
he was established in a new covenant. And because of the blood of Jesus Christ, we have access. We are cleansed of our sins by the blood. We have redemption by the blood. We have access to the very throne of God. We can stand in the presence of God as if sin never existed because of his blood. His blood washes us totally clean. Thank God for that. Let's drink together. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for what you did for us. As you're sitting there, just thank him. Just begin to thank him for his blood. Thank you for this intimate relationship that you have with him because of what Jesus did. You have a face-to-face -face relationship with him. He knows you by name. He, he planned this whole thing out so that he could be intimate with you, that he could know you personally. He calls your name. Hallelujah. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you for redemption, for what you did for us. Thank you for bringing us nigh by the blood of Christ. Thank you for redemption redemption today. Hallelujah. Let's sing the song.
will breathe deep and know that he is good. He's a love like no other. And I will lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. And I will breathe deep and know that he is good. He's a love like no other. Let's sing one more time. I will lean back. And I will lean back in the loving arms of a beautiful father. And I will breathe deep and know that he is good. He's a love like no other. Mm. Well, praise God. God is good. Hallelujah. We're so glad that you joined us. Um, like I said earlier, today is Palm Sunday. And uh, it's the Sunday that Jesus, we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And, uh, and so it's an exciting time. It's what they call traditionally the beginning of Holy Week. And um, we want to just welcome you to our broadcast today. You know, we are um, experiencing a lot of stuff in our nation. And uh, I just believe that we are being positioned by God for a mighty breakthrough. I really believe that with all my heart. Uh, I don't think our world will be the same. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a good way. I believe something powerful is happening. I think there's like a, almost like an incubation thing that's going on in the body of Christ right now. We're ready to give birth to a mighty move of God. You know, the enemy meant this for evil, but God is going to make this for good and for the furtherance of his kingdom. And I just want you to agree with me on that. Believe, let's believe together, have faith that this is not some tragedy that will come to a horrible, tragic end, but this is a time where the church will begin to shine like never before. I just want to uh, tell you that we have a couple announcements. Of course, at this time in the service, we usually receive our offering, but you can still give. You can go uh, send us a, a check if you'd like to, a tithe and offering. Um, you can go to our website, Destiny Church Exit 77, and there's a giving app there. You can, you can hook onto that, and you can also give that way. Um, but uh, our, the address here at the church is Destiny Church 27871, uh, 140th Avenue North, Ashby, Minnesota, 56309. So I uh, just want to encourage you uh, to be faithful in your giving. Uh, in fact, especially be faithful at this time because it's important that we, we are honoring the Lord with our tithes and with our offerings. Also this week uh, is our last week of the vision seminar that we're doing on Wednesday night. I want you to look for on our YouTube channel. This, this service will be posted later on today on our YouTube channel, but also on Wednesday we'll be posting a little sermonette from me, kind of a, a wrap-up, you know, bringing every, all the pieces together of the vision seminar. You know, this is incredibly important that we have vision, especially at this time of the year. I mean, are this what, what our nation is going through. You know, um, a lot of times what people see is, you know, they have a lot of despair and, 
and all kinds of things at this time. But we just need to know that God's doing something. God is going to do something incredible. And we need to have our, I hate to say this, but it's like our spiritual antennas up to hear what God is saying. And that's one thing that this vision class does is it, it really kind of gets us in a position to hear from God for our own life, to receive vision. You know, the Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. It's so important for us to have vision. This is not the end. This is just the beginning, folks. And so it's important for us to dream with God. You know, the Bible says when the Holy Spirit is poured out, he says you'll have dreams and visions. And God will give you dreams and visions about your future. And it's so important how you handle those dreams and those visions. And so we, that's what we're talking about on Wednesday night. So this next week is our last Wednesday night service. So please join us. We'll post something on the YouTube channel, our YouTube channel, Destiny Church. Ashby, Minnesota, and uh, also give you a link where you can hook, where you can find it. So today, uh, like I said, this is Palm Sunday, but today I, I want to talk to you, and my, my subject is, a, my title is A Psalm to Live By, A Psalm to Live By. And uh, I was thinking about this, how that, um, you know, years ago, uh, I, uh, I came, I read the 23rd Psalms when I was a little kid. My mom used to read to me the Bible before I went to sleep. And one of the Psalms she would read is Psalms 23. And, um, and Psalms 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. And the very next phrase says, I shall not want. And it's so funny about that as a little kid, how you process things. And so she would read that to me. And when I got to the phrase, it said, I shall not want. I thought in my little mind, I was like a six or seven year old kid. I used to think, why doesn't David want the Lord? The Lord is my shepherd, but I don't want him. And I used, to, I used to try to process that, but I didn't want my mom to know that I had that question or that I was wondering about that. I didn't want to seem interested and so uh, get, to give her hope. So I, I never asked her. But uh, years later, I figured out that, that the, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, is not talking about I don't want the Lord, but I shall not want in my life. But the reason I picked this psalm is because it's been going around in my heart all week. And... Um, I, I, I probably, if you go to funerals, and I've conducted many funerals, and I've been to many funerals over the years, and I think the number one song at all funerals is Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace. That's probably the number one song at all funerals. And the number one psalm that's either recited or it's on the front cover of the brochure is Psalms 23. And so what happened then, because of that, and I don't think that's bad. I think that's a good thing. I think this is an amazing psalm. And I think Amazing Grace is an amazing song. But what happened to me was when I would read through the Bible and I'd read through the Psalms, when I'd get to Psalms 23, I would just kind of, in my mind, I would just think, well, that's a song, a psalm to die by. And so I was just kind of like, well, you know, that's, that's, here's Psalms 23, and I'd say, the Lord is my shepherd. And I was just kind of like, you know, I thought the whole scene took place in heaven. You know, like, you know, you're up there and he's leading you around and, you know, by this and by that. And but it was always kind of hard to understand the walking through the shadow, the, the valley of the shadow of death. But but anyways, but uh, but I never looked at it as a psalm to live by. And one time I heard a guy preaching. This is decades ago. And he said, Psalms 23 is not a psalm to die by. It's a psalm to live by. I mean, you can die by it, but it's a psalm to live by also. And so I started thinking, huh. In fact, a lot of people say that David wrote this song when he was a young man, or psalm when he was a young man. 
And so here's what I know about Psalms. And, and I want you to get this. This is a very important point because I understood something that Psalms are very often given to people not as a, a, a statement or an assessment of what is happening in their life, but a psalm is oftentimes given uh, as a, a statement of faith, uh, not based on what's happening. So in other words, David is not giving you a description of the landscape of his life or the circumstances that he's facing. In fact, a lot of times what happens is he could be facing opposite circumstances, totally different. And so what he's giving you is a description of what he believes. So in other words, he's not giving you a description of his external circumstances. He's giving you a, a description of his internal landscape. In other words, these are not statements of fact, but these are statements of truth. There's a difference between facts and truth. Facts are based on data that we receive from our five physical senses. That's, where, that's what facts is based on. Facts are based on the, the, the data that we receive from the five physical senses. You know, we have a term we call, I, I call it like I see it. You know, that's where we say that. In other words, we look around, we assess the situation, and then we describe what we see. And that's, those are facts. But, you know, Jesus didn't say, you shall know the facts, and the facts shall set you free. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. The truth will make you free. And truth comes from God's word because in that passage there in John chapter 8, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth and the truth you know will set you free. And so truth comes from scripture, comes from continuing in God's word. Facts comes from the data that we receive. But I always like to say it like this, truth trumps facts every single time. Eventually, even if the facts sort of stay for a while, truth will eventually, will eventually trump the facts. And so when David is speaking out in this psalm, he is speaking truth, not facts. So in other words, some things on the ground, in other words, what he could be looking at could be totally contrary to what he's saying. But he's, he's describing what he believes through his meditation on the Lord. And see, David knew the importance, how important it was to me meditate, how important meditation is. You know, sometimes Eastern religions has stole from us this great word called meditation. But meditation is, isn't sitting in a corner with a funny, you know, like a, a funny, uh, uh, you know, what do they call that? Pose and going hum or something like that or whatever. That's not meditation. Meditation is simply thinking deeply about, th about things. Because here's the thing that you have to understand is that we become what we think about most. Let me just say that again. Wow, that was powerful. I, even the few people I have here today, and they did a great job, the worship people. I'm so thankful that you guys are here. There are six of us here today. Praise God. And, um, but, and they, all, they all got excited when I said that. But um, we become, think about this again, we become what we think about most. We become what we think about most. It says in Proverbs, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So what we think about most is what we become. What we think about most, what we think about, we bring about. Think about that statement. What we think about is what we bring about. What we think about is what we bring about. And so if you, that's why worry and, and anxiety and fear is so detrimental to our lives. And it's so important for us to think about the truth of God's word. We, what, what we think about, we bring about. 
And here's the other thing is our life goes in the direction of our dominant thoughts. That's powerful. Our life, so we're not like a helpless victim where we just go, I don't know, my life is out of control. It just goes in that direction. I can't stop it. Our life goes in the direction of our dominant thoughts. Our life goes in the direction of our dominant thoughts. And so here's the thing is we attract into our lives that which we meditate on most. It's like we go out there, if you meditate on the wrong thing, and that's what worry is. Worry is just meditating on the wrong thing. If you go out there and you, uh, and you, you meditate on the wrong thing, it's like going out there and going, all evil and wicked and all kinds of crazy stuff come to my life. That's what you're basically doing when you, because your life goes in the direction of your dominant thoughts. You know, that's what happened with Job. You know, we hear the story of Job and we people, you know, they argue about it and they fight about it. But there's a key verse. If you understand this principle that our life goes in the direction of our dominant thoughts and that what we think about, we bring about, um, you can understand this verse in Job chapter 3, verse 25. It says, this is Job speaking. He said this, For the thing which I greatly feared, this is Job 3.25, The thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Let me read that again. Job said, The thing that I greatly feared has, is come upon me. The thing that I feared, I was afraid, the thing that I feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of has come unto me. And so basically what he's saying is that, that, that fear, fear thoughts, because that's what fear is, fear thoughts brought the thing to me. It called the thing to me. So worry is basically meditating on the wrong thing. So there's kind of a process to, to fear. It starts with worry. We start with worry. We start pondering. We start thinking about excuse me, different things that we have going on that are concerning to us in our lives. And it's not wrong to have things that we're concerned about. And, 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 but the Bible tells us to cast our care upon the Lord. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. Don't, the Amplified Version says, don't worry or have any care about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And so he tells us not to be afraid of anything, not to be worried about anything. Why does he tell us that? Because what we think about, what we worry about, we call that thing into our lives. And so that's why we have to change our thinking. We have to change our perspective. When we worry, we become anxious. The next step, we worry, then we become anxious. You know, there's a lot of people that suffer, and I'm not, I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm sympathetic with you, and I, I, I have compassion for you. But there's a lot of people that, that, that tr are troubled by anxiety attacks. It's a very common thing in our society today. Be people get so anxious, they, you know, sometimes they have a hard time breathing, and, and really what. What brings on anxiety, it's not like you're walking around thinking, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And you just meditate on that. All of a sudden, anxiety hits you and you can't stop yourself. What happens is you worry. You worry and you have anxiety. You, what will be on the morrow? What will happen with my life? What will, I, will I have enough toilet paper? Will I have enough food? What is going to happen? With, will I get coronavirus? What I what I was going to do? Who is going to happen? Then? What's going to happen with my money? And we got we get over and over, and all of a sudden our our stomach gets tied up in knots. And those are all natural responses to what's going on. But God's called us to to lift up our gaze and and to to become a different kind of a person. 
and we can, we, can, we can change our focus. And that's the thing I've been saying over these several weeks. But so we start with worry, then we become anxious, and that always leads us to be fearful. And like Job said, the thing that I feared has come upon you. So here's why meditation is so important. Remember in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 9, God spoke to Joshua. He, Joshua was facing some pretty big stuff. I mean, the first generation of the children of Israel, they were trying to go into the promised land. But when they saw the walled cities, the giants, all the great armies in Canaan, they said, we can't do it. And so they drew back. Now, Josh, Moses has died. Moses was a guy that talked to God face to face. And now Joshua has taken over. So you can think that this is pretty an intimidating situation. Now, now he's going to try to lead this next generation into the promised land. And, and Moses is dead. And he's got to take the, the reins now and lead. And so you can see that he would probably be, because the same giants are out there, the same walled cities are out there. It's the same circumstance that the first generation uh, decided they couldn't do. And so he's facing all of that. And God has the nerve to tell him, only be thou strong. Verse 7, only be thou strong and very courageous. He keeps telling, God keeps saying that in the first chapter of Joshua. Be strong and very courageous. Have you ever tried to be strong and courageous? I mean, if it's not there, I mean, just like, I'm going to be, oh, I mean, you can put it on, you can fake it for a while, but after a while, it's kind of like, there's always something that will knock you, uh, where you knock your head down where your feet were just a few minutes ago. I mean, and so it's hard to just try to conjure up strong and courageous because courage is an aspect of your heart. So he's, when God says to him, be strong, very, be thou strong and very courageous, well, how do I do that, God? Well, if you read the next verse, verse 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate upon it day and night. He tells him right there, how are you going to be strong and courageous? You have to meditate. You have to learn to meditate upon Scripture. You see, if you're going to be strong and courageous, you've got to learn to meditate. You've got to learn, just like Jesus said, if you continue his word, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Meditation in the scripture, thinking deeply about it, just like you worry about things. Now just switch that focus and just put that same kind of attention or energy towards scripture. Meditation and then also speaking. Because the Bible says that our mouth speaks out of that which fills our heart. And so sometimes if you have somebody, they're talking to you and they're just like worry, they're, they're talking fear, they're talking anxiety, they're talking concern, they're talking all these things. You can say, well, what are you thinking about? What are you meditating on? And so I want to give you this Psalm, Psalms 23, and I want you to meditate on it this week. You know, there's six verses in this short Psalm and you could take one verse every day and just meditate on it. So verse one, starting tomorrow, on Monday, you would meditate on Psalms 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's amazing if you think about it, meditate on it, what happens, how it expands. But why is this so important? How, why is it so important to do that? Because uh, the, the atmosphere about your life, like I said, draws things to your life. You know, Paul said this. This is where I kind of caught on that the Psalms are not just statements of facts, but they're statements of faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul said this. He said, we have the same spirit of faith that is described in the scriptures when it says, first I believed, then I spoke in faith. So Paul says, so we also first believe, 
then speak in faith. So Paul was quoting, and I read this one time, and I go, Paul was quoting here, and I looked down next to my verse, and there was a passage there. It was Psalms 116, verse 10. And I realized that this statement, I believed, therefore have I spoken, came out of the book of Psalms. And so I started thinking, huh, that's interesting. So was Paul quoting, was Paul in the same way that psalmist was doing, Paul was doing the same thing. He took his cue from the psalmist. The psalmist says, I believe, therefore I spoke. In other words, his speaking was not based on facts. His speaking was based on truth. What he said was his faith speaking. That's very important to understand that. So the Bible says in Psalms 116, verse 10, it quotes that. And so, see, here's the thing about about faith and about hope. If you are seeing it or feeling it or experiencing it with your five physical senses, you don't need to believe it and you don't need to have faith and you don't need to have hope. Amen. You don't need to have it. If you have, if you can see it, in other words, if I was praying for a hundred dollars and I said, Lord, I'm praying for a hundred dollars. And then you handed me, you came up to me and hand me a hundred dollars. I wouldn't be going, I'm just believing for that hundred dollars. I'm believing for that hundred dollars. You wouldn't do that because now you have it in your hands. But faith is needed when you can't see it. Faith is needed at those times when you don't see it. You don't have the physical evidence, yet you believe. You have in your heart the assurance you have in your heart a strong confidence, a conviction that comes from the scriptures. That's where it comes from. You know, there's a verse in Romans chapter 5, or Romans chapter 15, verse 4. It says, whatever was written beforehand is meant to instruct us in how to live. The scripture, now listen to this part. The scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration so we can, we can live in hope and endure all things. Let me read that again. That's a powerful verse. It says here, the scriptures impart to us encouragement and inspiration. What do the scriptures impart to us? Encouragement. How many of all, we need encouragement. We need inspiration at this time. It says the scriptures impart to us in encouragement and inspiration so that we can live in hope and endure all things. In other words, there are things that we are hoping for. There are things that we are believing for. We don't see them yet, but we have encouragement and we have inspiration from the scriptures. So both faith and hope come from scriptures. And the moment we see it, we don't need faith and hope any longer. And so when you look at these Psalms, and the Bible tells us that in Romans chapter 8, that why, does, why would we need to hope? This is verse 24. Why would we need to hope for something we already have? We don't need to hope for stuff that we have. We don't need to believe for what we have. The moment we have it, hope and belief is not necessary anymore. And so many of the Psalms, what I discovered is many of the Psalms are a statement of faith, not a statement of facts. And so here's the thing. The very first verse of Psalm, let's get to the Psalm. I took a long time. My introduction took a long time. So, but you don't have anything else to do. So just sit back and relax. Just drink the rest of your grape juice that you have there. So, so, uh, but Psalms 23 verse one, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now here's what I find out is that he could be feeling alone. He could be feeling abandoned. He could be feeling lost, insecure, not knowing what to do. 
See, a lot of times we just think that he's, he's sitting out there, you know, he's got his funny guitar, his harp or whatever. I call it a funny guitar. And he's out there, he just feels the, the Holy Ghost goosebumps and he's feeling all the, ooh, you know, he's like, he's with the sheep, you know, and he's just like, oh, this feels so good. And, and so that's what we think because he goes, the Lord is my shepherd. But he could be feeling, looking out and just feeling like the opposite but he's, he's meditating on scripture, and so he speaks out boldly his faith. He goes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In other words, right in the face of, of his, the feeling, his contrary feelings, he speaks out, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm not abandoned. I'm not forgotten. I'm not left alone. God is my shepherd. He's all around me. I like that verse, that song we sing. You may think I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by him. I'm surrounded by God. I'm surrounded by the promises of God. I'm surrounded by the angelic host. I'm going to get excited here in just a minute here. I'm surrounded by the angelic host. He is standing there all alone, and it might be every voice in the world is telling them, uh, you're just a uh, squatty little shepherd boy that is forgotten and he, he stands up and shouts, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He is making a bold declaration of faith. Of faith. Uh, you know, he could be in financial need. He could, be his, he could have gone in one day from the field and his dad met him and said, yeah, things are really tough. We don't have any food and we don't know how we're going to feed everybody. And so he goes back out in the field. He goes, I shall not want. See, he reminds himself of the scriptures and the, its promises. Remember that the scriptures and the promises are our basis of encouragement, are our basis of, of inspiration, and that we could have hope. And so he could be having all kinds of things, but he speaks out his hope and he speaks out his faith that the Lord is his shepherds. You see, being a shepherd is something that David knows uh, up close and personal because that's what he was. And he knows how vulnerable sheep are and how dependent sheep are on the shepherd. And so he, and he also knows how committed the shepherd is to the sheep and how watchful the shepherd is over and how committed the shepherd is to those sheep. And so they, he knows that the shepherd will do anything so that the sheep are taken care of. And so he goes, that's just like my shepherd. The Lord, he, I mean, just think about that. The Lord, he talked about a shepherd on the earth. He goes, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall that, because he's my shepherd, he's got everything. He's got the world. He's got the cattle on a thousand hills. The silver and the gold is his. I shall not want for any good thing. The Lord is my shepherd. That's a statement of faith. Every single one of us need to meditate on that. On Monday, we should all meditate on that. And then all day long, we should be walking around. The Lord's my shepherd. I won't want for anything. The Lord is my shepherd. I won't want for anything. So that brings us to verse 2. He says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. You know, for me, you know, I'm not a camping type guy. I don't like picnics because picnics have bugs and I don't like camping because they have ants and bees and flies and, uh, you know, people. If camping's so great, why is every, every, all, the, all the flies trying to get inside? That's what I want to know. And so, uh, so I, I'm not really a real camper. And so when I read that, he maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. That's not very appealing to me. I'm thinking, this does not appeal to me. Because I'm thinking that green pastures have ants and they have bugs. This is not appealing to me. But you have to think like a sheep. You got to think like a sheep. To a sheep, 
Green pastures and still waters are as good as it gets. Amen. To a sheep, green pastures and still waters is as good as it gets. And so our meditation and our words can put us in green pastures and beside still waters. Or our meditation and our words can put us on thorny ground with a mud puddle, <laughs> a mud puddle to drink from. It depends on what we meditate on. What we meditate on puts us someplace. And, I, and David is saying, man, uh, he leads me. I'm, I'm, he leads me to green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters so I can drink freely. Uh, verse 3, he says, he restoreth my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. I like that because, you know, negative emotions, negative thoughts, negative experiences can injure our soul. And we can feel broken. We can feel a lot of despair. I mean, what's going on in our world today can make people's soul feel just ravaged by all the bad news, all the things that are happening. We can just feel ravaged inside. And so the Bible says here, he restores my soul. Thank God for the restoration of the soul. And, and I've had that experience where inside I'm just, I'm just feeling just tattered. I'm just feeling ragged inside. I just feel horrible inside in my soul. And then I've gotten into a worship service and I begin to focus my, uh, uh, my focus on him and what he says and how great he is. And all of a sudden I feel that healing. I feel that the power of God, the presence of God begin to touch my soul and he restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Not all of us need to be led down the right path. In verse four, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You know, the, God never promised that all of our days would be, everything would be just rosy. He never promised that. And here, here it's reflected in the song, walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But notice what he says, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. We need to walk around saying, thou art with me. You are for us. You are not against us. You are on our side. You are, you are, you are working with us in this situation. You know, Hebrews chapter 13, I love this verse. It says, God says, I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. No, never. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. You know, so what a powerful promise. God says, I will never leave you. That means right now God is with us. That means right now he is not only with us, but he is on our side. Amen. He is on our side. And, and, and so uh, that's what David is saying here. The Lord is my, or the Lord Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then he says, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In other words, shepherds had a staff and they had a rod, and they would beat off the, 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 uh, uh, the enemies that would come against the sheep. They would beat them off. And so he goes, they comfort me. And then we get out of line, he takes the staff, and he goes, come on, get back over here, get it back over here. He keeps us in line with the staff. And he goes, they comfort me. I know he'll take care. I know he's got my life in his hands. It's awesome, wonderful. And so I think this week we should walk around and say, the Lord is with me. And we may boldly say, the Lord is with me. The Lord is my helper. Amen. He is our protection from evil and every trick of the enemy. And then in verse 5, just two verses le left here, it says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. 
I don't know if you've ever had the experience of being in the presence of God and having your cup. Your, it's like your, your soul just begins to run over. It gets so full and it starts just to run over. And that's what David is describing here. But he says that this table that God prepares is in the presence of his enemies. So in other words, I would like if all the enemies would leave. All the enemies, please leave the building. I'm going to eat. You know, that's what I, I would like. I don't, I don't want there to be any enemies while I'm eating. But God goes, I prepare a table. There's enemies all around. But he goes, he keeps pointing at the table. I'm looking at the enemies. He's pointing at the table. There's good food on the table. Yeah, but, but what about the enemies? Don't think about them. Just keep thinking about the beautiful food that I prepared for you. And that's an that's a exercise in focus. Amen. He anoints my head with oil. In other words, I'm anointed for whatever situation I'm going through. God's anointing us. He's anointing his church for every situation that we're going through. And then the last verse, as we wrap this up, as our worship group comes, and I think they did such an amazing job today. We're so grateful for this worship team. If I can call it a team, it's a duet. <laughs> the worship duet. They did a great job. I'm so appreciative. As they come so that we can sing one last song before we go today. But Psalms 23, verse 6 says, now listen to this, surely, surely means absolutely, absolutely goodness, God's goodness and God's mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, I love the word where he says follow. The word follow is the word that's usually translated pursue, and it's usually used, it's usually used to describe an enemy army or us being pursued by our enemies. It's, it's what it's usually described as, that word pursued. And so just like an enemy would, would, would you know, follow us or try to get us, the Bible says here that goodness and mercy shall pursue us. All the days of our life. Think about that. God's goodness, God's mercy. David is speaking out in faith. He's saying, God's goodness, God's mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Just get a picture in your mind on, on day six, Saturday. That'll be this coming Saturday. Just get a picture in your mind of goodness and mercy pursuing you all the days of your life. That is a powerful picture. And so this week, I want you to take some time and just use this passage, just to meditate on this passage this week, a, a psalm to live by, Psalms 23. Uh, and let's meditate, take a verse every day and meditate on it. Let's do that together. God bless you. We're going to sing this song. song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you oh we live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Oh, Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Oh, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Sing holy. And oh. 
beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Sing Jesus the name. Oh, Jesus, the name above every other name. Oh, Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. No. 
Praise God. Psalms 23 is a psalm to live by. And so this week, you know, it's a, it's a powerful song. I, I read one commentator who said, Psalms, if you want to be a giant killer, meditate on Psalms 23. And I want to be a giant killer. I don't know about you, but I want to be a giant killer. And so let's this week meditate on Psalms 23. I want to pray for you. Um, again, the, we have people here at the church all, all week long. The number here at the church is 218-685-4026. If you need anything, please call the church. We'd be glad to pray with you specifically. Or if you have a need, any kind of a need, you know somebody that's suffering or is in a need, they need some help, please call us. Let us know. We'll, try, we'll do our best to help them. But let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for your people today. God, they are the apple of your eye. You are in covenant with them, Lord. You are in a covenant relationship with them. What happens to them, it, it matters to you, Lord. And you make the full resources of, the, of, of heaven available to them because you're, we're in covenant together. And Lord, I just pray over your people right now. I pray for the, the encouragement and the inspiration of the scriptures be, to be theirs, to give them hope and to give them faith. I just pray right now, Lord, that we just stand against the spirit of fear. We stand against the spirit of anxiety right now. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Lord, that you didn't give us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Thank you that we have a sound mind. Hallelujah. The power and love and a sound mind. I pray, Lord, that your love would become more evident in their lives this week, Lord, as they meditate in Psalms 23. God, I just pray, Lord, that you deliver them. And Lord, together we just stand against, once against this virus, and we believe that it's being absorbed, being consumed, and coming to an end. It's sputtering to an end. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for victory, God, in this situation. God bless you, everybody. I can't wait till we see one another again. Have a great week.